0: Hey listeners, just a bit of a warning before this episode. We are going to be talking about infertility and pregnancy loss is mentioned during this episode. It is not all about that, but it does get talked about. It is still a sibs hanging out and talking about a story together, so lots of funny jokes and some good old dark humor. Thanks for listening. When <laughs> I was
1: asking Lily to bring my
0: All of this should be the cold drum
1: right? my drum brush that's been like the same brushes I've been using for 20 years down to my show the other day. And I said, you need to be really careful with these. You need to treat these like one of your children. And she said, yeah, I'll treat these like one of my children. And then she said, "When I said, well, hold on a second. Which one of your children? Because, you know, it matters here. I said, make it like your older kid. Make it like Ari, because he's got anaphylactic allergies to milk, so I know you're going to be really careful. But then she says, no, no, no. I'm going to make it like Asher because he cost way more money. (laughs) I
0: said, I I mean, it could be either kid. I was like, I could take care of these like either kid because Asher was really expensive.
1: special episode of the Friday Night Movie Podcast and I'm not really going to say anything else. I'm just going to hand it over to Lily. Lily take it away.
0: Um, Thank you for having me and thank you for giving me this opportunity and space to tell you guys about this experience that I had. Um, I knew from the get go that I wanted to be able to share this with you both and with our listeners and if people could, you know, wanted to share this with other people because I think in this realm and the realm of infertility, I think the, a a major gift you can give is paying it forward in the sense of, of being an open book about your experience. Not that everybody has to do that. It's just that if I was capable, I would want to do that because Becky, um, gave me the gift of introducing me to a friend of hers who went through something similar and I didn't even know this person Uh, shout out big huge shout out to Cheryl who didn't even know her Becky got her on FaceTime and I picked her brain about infertility and IVF and she was a total open book and that was fundamental for me in surviving this and getting through it and making really tough decisions. And I've never met her in person and I'm extremely grateful for her vulnerability and openness. And I remember saying to Becky, when I'm on the other side of this, because I was not capable of doing this in it, but when I one day when I'm on the other side of this, I want to be able to talk about it so that other people, if this could help one person, figure their situation out or, or just feel less alone, then we have a platform to do that. I would love to do that so that I could be even a little bit of help to someone the way Cheryl helped me. Um, So that's why I wanted to do this and thank you for having me. Um, So I'm just going to thank you for doing this.
1: We really appreciate it. So I'm just going to give a little Three years in the making, three
0: years in the making. I'm going (laughs) to give a little, bit of context um, that my situation specifically was secondary infertility, which means that I already had a baby and then I struggled with infertility. Um, I didn't have to use assisted fertility uh, technology for my first baby and then I had to for my second that is still considered infertility in case you're like, well, you already had one baby, which a lot of people say and do. And there are huge struggles with infertility after already having a kid. And those are just as legitimate as when you have no babies. So I think that that's something I want to say right away. And I also want to acknowledge that my situation was hard for me, but I am very well aware of how lucky I am, how Privileged and fortunate, not just because I was able to do fertility treatments, but because I ended up having a baby, um, my own biological baby, which is huge. And I'm very. I mean, he's physically huge. He is huge, exactly. (laughs) And I'm and I'm very well aware that this is a massive struggle for many, many other women. And can be much, much harder. And I'm very well aware of women that, you know, have struggled infertility and on their first try of IUI, which is insemination, or on their first try of IVF, got pregnant, had a baby, had twins, and or just one baby, and then did IVF again, and everything's great, and they struggled, but it was easier than me. So I think the whole point is that it's hard, if you have to struggle in any realm of this, <laughs> it's difficult and that you know while yes it's clear that more women have had difficult more difficult situations than me i in no way you know am saying that mine was easier harder and i think that i just want to share my experience and acknowledge how how everybody's experience is their own um that being said if i had to describe if you were to say well what is the experience like from the get-go After going through several appointments about my situation, and and deciding, we came to the decision very quickly um, that we needed to do IVF. And so, you know, what do
2: you mean you came to the decision? Like you had a choice of different of different paths you could go down, and that's what you and Jose just. So that's the thing. What I mean, I mean that.
0: Well exactly uh, so I came to the decision and the fact that there wasn't very many options open so it was to us. either
2: you were going to do IVF or you were not, not going to be able, able to to, co- to conceive it would
0: have been extremely and by the way unlikely. if we
2: use the wrong terminology please correct us because this is not a space that's a that very we, good point and if I use the wrong terminology <laughs>
0: please forgive me anybody who's <laughs> listening. send us a very yes.
1: angry dm because the odds that lily will very <laughs> high yes i'm i we still don't promise accuracy this is still the friday night Movie right podcast.
0: exactly i'm just accurate in my in, my interpretation wait, of it's my not? experience wait a
2: minute
0: <laughs> <laughs> we're not on becky's medical show oh God. Um, have we pitched that yet oh we got to tell the diagnosis, is becky. diagnosis yeah. becky it's my favorite fake show um and so yes just quickly i Didn't have very many options because in my particular case, there the my fallopian tubes were um, like they went to shit or they were always shit, and my first child was a complete coincidence. (laughs) People are like, he's such a miracle. He's IVF, the new baby. And I'm like, well, the, I think the real miracle is that first one that made it through because I had no idea, you know, ignorance is bliss. I may are have you- had this problem forever. Are you
2: comfortable explaining what it means that your fallopian tubes went to shit? Sure. So the fallopian tubes, you have
0: ovaries where the eggs are stored and just in case people don't know this you're born like your little girls and your little girls both of you have girls they are born with the eggs that they will have for the rest of their life the minute they are born and those tiny baby ovaries are all their little tiny eggs it's that wild. they will have forever That's wild and after a certain age those eggs Um, you, you drop an egg once a month after you get your period, right? If you don't, if it's not fertilized, it goes down the toilet literally in your, during your period, but it's not just one egg a month. You lose many, many, you can lose many eggs a month, um, that are not harvest. They're not fertilized. And so they're not used again. They can't be used again. They're not released the next month. So the reserve, it's not like a one ratio situation where you, once a month you lose one because you have thousands of eggs in there. Um, and so they're stored in the ovaries and they make it into the uterus through the fallopian tubes. There are like two highways that go from each ovary into the uterus. And the egg throughout the month is traveling on its journey to the uterus. And after there's after you have sex, the sperm makes it past the vagina and in, well into the interior of the the cervix right it goes into the vagina through the cervix through all these crazy membranes that stop it from going this is this is by the way the opening scene of look who's talking i wasn't actually
2: expecting that part of the explanation i was just expecting you you know what just watch look who's talking it's it's incredibly i thought i thought you were just gonna say my fallopian tubes were blocked and so the egg couldn't make it into the okay. uterus. That's so, what I was looking fine. for. Saying, Short look answer. Who's part but I appreciate you building it, me a watch.
1: Wait, when does the <laughs> look who's talking part start after <laughs> like, it's in the fallopian tube?
0: Yes. yes. When does
1: ovulating happen?
0: Oh, sweetie. So ovulating is when the egg is released from the ovary and is traveling. Mm. Traveling. Right. Okay, no. I know. Okay. I'm asking so, to so just th- clarify okay. because so when then,
1: ovulating th- happens is when you can get pregnant. Right. If your yeah, fallopian tube egg- is blocked you, can't, then get, you can't, can't you can't get pregnant the print. egg's so not going to make it into the uterus. Say, so oh, sweetie, wait! Mm-hmm. It, really, uh, uh-huh. safe space for you, I guess, but not for anybody else. <laughs> well, I'm like, I thought you were asking good, me what ovulation was. Good luck, audience, if, asking questions. Good, Lily's responses will only ovulate. be condescending if, if
0: you don't know that. what ovulation is. I mean, we're going to have to really back up. But so the sperm goes into the fallopian tube and it fertilizes the egg there. That's where the egg gets fertilized, and then. Throughout the next five days, four or five days, it travels as a little baby fertilized egg into the uterus, and then it implants itself. So then it drops into the uterus, and then it takes a day. It could be two days, it could be three days. I guess I mean everybody's different. And then it would implant itself into the the line of the uterus, and then you'd be pregnant. So there's a big window there. Um, so, my fallopian, to- oh, the fallopian tubes have hair inside, like follicle, these little kind of fuzzy hair things, and they help move the egg through. But if they become rigid and yucky they and stiff, then nothing can get in and out. What happened
1: to yours? Yes. How'd that happen?
0: They don't, it could have been a virus. It could have been from a flu that you get. You can get a, a virus one time and they get just, they're very delicate. They could get ruined from that. It could be. A, like a million different reasons that they don't know why it happens. And if you, you just want, scared everyone, yeah, it could, it could, it could happen. It can happen to anyone and they don't know why. And it's not, I don't think it's that, that common, but it happens. And, they can investigate and find out and do more tests on you but then you're you you could possibly put at risk your fallopian tube if they mess with them more you could damage them and why would you need once you they're not working anyways okay so why are they bothering they're not going okay gonna so in damage. your
2: case short answer your fallopian tubes were blocked enough that the egg would not be able to travel through and so through. essentially your options were IVF or Hope for the best. Sure. So
1: do they, they skip the highway, so it's like a helicopter trip over the highway?
0: Yes, that's a that's a nice way to think about it. Okay. Yeah, it's like instead of take, doing a road trip, you took a plane. A plane? I would say it's like a, yeah, jumbo jet to get them out of there and across the, okay. the, the divide of what is that highway, what represents that highway feels on the outside. feels more like,
2: um... It's well, is it, is it more submarine. like space travel? Is yeah, it's more like
1: more space like travel? Because it's leaving the orbit of okay, your body. That's yeah. amazing that
0: you brought that up. That segues me into. And it's into, cold in space. It is cold in space. <laughs> but that segues me into, I'm sitting at this meeting where they explain the fallopian tube problem. They say, they lay out this book. They explain, well, this is your fertility option to start, which would be IVF. We don't know if your eggs are good. But you have a good, we think you have a good uterus. We have to check that out. And if you have a good uterus and you've got good eggs, which is extremely lucky, then we don't need your fallopian tubes. We can do the work on the outside and drop that sucker in ourselves. And so they take out this book and they start explaining the process of IVF, how they would do that, which is actually called ICSI. It's not really IVF, but IVF is such a commonly used term. It's like Kleenex for tissues, I guess. You know, or saying Kleenex for a handkerchief. It does the same thing, but it's a bit different. The technology is more advanced. And so they.
1: What's ICSI stand for?
0: I have no idea. That's uh, in Spanish.
2: Who okay. knows? <laughs> <laughs> um, the na- remember, is, this is all being by done the way, in Spanish. Right? That is 100% the name of one of the aliens from Alien TV. Yeah. I think it's like Ixie, Iggy,
1: and Lily's else. doing this in, in Spanish. Like, I think I also an Island Fertility Clinic,
0: right? An Island Fertility Clinic, which is phenomenal. I highly recommend. If I, they have a lot of patients that come from well, now because of the pandemic, probably not. But previously, patients that would come from New York um, because it's less expensive. Even though it's in euros, it's less expensive where I live. And then you can bring your embryos back to the states, and your little cooler on the plane. And have that's them implanted there. But just the process of retrieving those embryos is extremely expensive. And it's cheaper where I live. And the owner of the clinic, the founder, the physician who founded the clinic, is a professor at NYU. And so she's Italian. Her um, husband is a researcher where I live. And so at the big hospital where I live. And so that's why she lives there. And she, she went to University of Boston. And anyways, she's, she's an incredible woman and an incredible doctor. And she has this clinic, and she helps people from all over Europe and the States because it's much cheaper. So, on, But just, yes, I should preface this with the fact that I'm doing all of this in a foreign language, in Spanish. And so I'm getting all this information from this doctor, and the first thing that comes to my mind is space because I'm in the car driving home with Jose, and I turn to him, and I say, well, this must be what it's like when the astronauts go to the moon because I bet you they get in the spaceship – they're, they're all locked in. They're in there. They blast off and they both look at each other and they're like, we're going to the moon. <laughs> <laughs> and one of them is like, I know there's so much science, right? There's so much math and science that goes into this. But the other one's also like, yeah, but what the hell is this? <laughs> like there's all this science and all this mass, math, but you're still like, yeah, but how are we going to the moon? <laughs> so if you ask me in a nutshell what this experience is like, it's like going to the moon and you're traveling the entire time to get there. You don't really understand how it's humanly possible you could be there. However, you're backed by all this science. And then there's like moments where it feels like Apollo 13.
1: <laughs> you and Jose. Yeah. Doing math to yeah. save the eggs.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's just, there's moments where you have to go with the science. Like I'm not going to pretend to understand all of that. So let me right? ask you a
1: question about Jose here. Now you yeah. talked about your eggs in your uterus. So in the end, your eggs in your uterus were, were Okay.
0: Thank God, yeah. Okay, and, and his form was like all right. Oh, so that was the question it wasn't I was going to
1: Now I have accidentally seen a naked picture of your husband, yeah. and, <laughs> and we know the outside looks very serviceable, <laughs> but
0: amazing.
1: But uh. Th- th- I, he has been kicked many times. He has. He's a professional fighter.
0: He is. He's a, a professional fighter when they kickboxing. Right, so kickboxing. So, kicking.
1: so, and his,
0: he wears very tight underwear.
1: Very tight. He loves European a underwear. Those
0: European underwear. Yeah. He loves those. He
1: loves those as as little nut coverage as possible.
0: Right. So you think that you know. So I, you know, I. So
1: his, and so, like, was it any? So his weren't even strong enough to get through a tough follicle fallopian so, situation so
0: he was i know he was sitting there being like oh I, I i it's not me and i'm like fine it's not you but you weren't great like so i kept helping the you situation. weren't helping the situation right. and he just ignored that right but like he wasn't if, his, they said that 80 percent of his sperm was bad
3: if those worst sperm
0: they had a lot of good, good sperm to work with for what i was doing they only need one But for IUI, where you just shove a bunch of like the good sperms in there, they're like, ah, we don't have enough.
1: So if those fallopian tubes were a highway, Fury Road in Mad Max—that's
0: a very good way to put it.
1: His sperm were definitely not Furiosa and Tom Hardy. No, No. okay. They actually
0: (laughs) said that when they analyzed his sperm, a lot of them swam the wrong way. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> that yep. explains a lot because I have gotten ready to go places with him, and yes. he's often going the wrong so way when it's the time wrong to leave. Way. Yes, okay.
0: exactly. He's not going towards the door, okay. <laughs> and I was like, "Please go on, explain what his sperm." Because I, you know, guys honestly get a lot of, you know, the easy way out in this. They have to spew in a cup, and if their sperm okay. is bad, well, I guess you have to use a donor, which I'm sure is difficult. But the invasiveness for the men is not nearly as much as for the women. And so when she was like your fallopian tubes are not going to work out his sperm was okay but we can work with it for IVF. I was like no, no 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 go back. Let's just let's just talk about the sperm a little bit more. She's like well a lot of them swam the wrong way. A lot of them were seemed very dumb. <laughs> and I was like go on. Please tell me more. And she's like but we have enough for IVF. Um and so that is the the journey that we chose to go on. Um which was and, and, and so you, a lot of people prepare for months and months and months for IVF. You're not supposed to drink alcohol. Uh, I think you're, you, there's a bunch of dietary restrictions. Well, women definitely not, but men to get their sperm in the best shape to give the sample that they're going to work with. Becky was visiting us just before I started the pr- process. And I think Vlad and Jose drank heavily for 21 days straight. <laughs> Whiskey and wine, and, knew, and you
1: knew it was coming, right, Becky? Well, this wasn't no, like a no, secret. No,
0: no, We didn't no, know no. because Becky Why came in June, and then that. Becky came in June, and she kind of um, helped me mentally prepare for the first appointment in July. But by the end of July, we were able to uh, start our process. It happened very quickly, and and he maybe stopped drinking for seven days or something. But I always wondered. About that. And we jumped into it very fast because I had um, physically, I was able to get my ducks in a row and um, go for it because of the timing of the month when I started to talk to them or whatever, when I started to have my first appointment. So we jumped right into it right away, which was the egg retrieval. That's the first step of this. They got to get the eggs out, which is
1: not easy. Right. People people talk about like, oh, yeah, just go get your eggs. And from what I understand, this is not an easy process for women.
0: So I think if there's one takeaway that I would love for women of all ages, you know, above maybe 20 or 18 or something to to take away from this is that. If it's weird because I went through it and I thought it was I had a really hard time and I thought it was difficult, but at the same time. If everybody talked about this and if your gynecologist proposed this to people and, you know, if you can donate eggs, which is amazing if you're under 35, if you're over 35, you cannot, but you can still keep them for yourself. 35-year-old eggs or 36-year-old eggs are not the same as 37 or 38 or 39. Every year you lose an, inc- like an exponential amount of eggs. So my takeaway would be if you're in your 30s or your late 20s and you don't know how your life is going to go, even if you're with someone that you'd want to have a baby with, but you don't want to have a baby now and you don't want to be rushed, look into it. Because you, if you do that and you have the means to do that, it, you're basically locking away something that's so incredibly precious that should, you know, your fallopian tubes get fucked up or you decide not to have a child until you're in your 40s, you have this amazing backup that I wished part of my mind wished I knew that this was a, could be a normal thing to do.
1: And what do you recommend for women whose husbands or mates have very dumb sperm? <laughs>
0: I would say, you know, if you're thinking of having a baby, um, you shouldn't judge a man by his sperm. That's what I would say. <laughs> if you're thinking of having a baby with someone, don't judge him by the quality of his sperm because I do really like my husband. <laughs> and so we started, yeah, with the, with the egg retrieval, which they want to get as many as possible because if the more eggs they have to work with, the, the more they have to work with. So they start pumping you with hormones and when we sat down to sign the contract that we were going to do this with this private clinic there is a clause that if you were to get divorced going through this you can't blame the clinic like you can't go and say well this was so stressful and you know and you have to sign you have to sign a million papers and one of the papers you're signing is saying that like whatever happens in your relationship you can't you know sue them for you getting divorced And I was like, that's crazy. And after... Weeks of being pumped with these insane hormones, I was like, what about murder? <laughs> like, if you murder your husband, can you sue them if you get caught? Because divorce is the least of my fucking problems. <laughs> it, like, you become a vessel, you have to give your body over. You become a vessel for things that I don't know if anybody could fully understand what's going on in your body. But to give you an idea, if um, an ovary is the size of a ping pong ball, a small ping pong ball, you're basically turning it into a grapefruit.
2: Whoa! Wow.
0: Yeah, or, or a very large, juicy Florida orange. And that's in your body and that sits in your stomach. And so as this is happening, it start like you, you, it becomes more and more uncomfortable as you're getting closer to the day where they're going to take them out. And so you get cramps and it's hard to sit and you don't feel great. I mean, I didn't, I shouldn't speak, you know, in third person. I didn't feel great. And I, um, have a photo of what the ovary looked like. If you guys want to see it, I can... Yeah. Just... Can we put that this, up on is our Instagram? Is this going to sure. be on Instagram or is this going to
1: be just for Patreon subscribers?
2: Um I, We can discuss that, but I can... Is this... Are we officially starting the Patreon to I mean, see Lily's no ovaries? One, no one
1: has yet to message me and say we want the we,
2: I Well, then let's withhold the so, ovary picture. Right. So
1: if, if you want the no. ovary picture... The
0: send us that, $5. So the, way, <laughs> so the way that the ovary, ovaries work... I have is to pay for this IVF somehow. They explained that... It's like being at the bank and all the money's in the vault. So all the eggs are in the vault and every month the teller takes out a stack of bills and puts them on the counter and one gets handed out to the client. But those stack that's sitting on the counter go to waste. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's sort of the process. They need to fill up that counter with as many bills as they can and push all those bill out to the client. So, they're physically extracted in a surgery.
1: So it's like Money Heist season two when that guy who takes the water hose and pumps it into the safe and kind fills of. it up with water.
0: Yes. I actually thought of a lot about IVF during that
1: season. Who goes season. swimming in it? One they of the all, Nairobi. They, Nairobi. They're, they're, all all swimming. Swimming. they're all swimming. They're all swimming in it. So they're all swimming inside the... Okay, got. Has it.
2: anyone started season three? Should I watch one uh, episode? I watched one episode and it. I don't care. Maybe you and I, we can. Yeah. Start it. Tell we me can. if it.
1: Tell me if that show matters anymore without Nairobi. Tell me who the bad Let's guys are. I'll. Biggest
2: I'll start day. the first episode. And I'm I'll now let rooting. You
1: know. I'm now rooting for the pregnant police woman. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <Right>. So <laughs> who's like probably a sociopath, but okay. So each,
0: uh, you know, there's lots of follicles, and that's the follicles are the basically the mini vaults. And they need to extract the eggs from those little follicles. And so if you would imagine that normally every month there'd be one follicle, this is a photo of all of the follicles they've forced to be created.
2: Each of those colors is a Is a follicle? Yeah. Wow. So normally there'd be one.
1: It looks like a brain.
2: I Can I see? Yeah. Wild.
0: Whoa. So that's the ovary and it's getting ready to, you know... Out Push all out all these Oof. eggs, so you cannot have sex at this time, because if one accidentally goes <laughs> before the the starter bell, and another and another, you could have like you could fertilize like you can't fertilize all these eggs right 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 on your own like that's this is not meant to be like oh let's just see what happens 500 eggs oh, okay see what then, happens. okay right then you then could then end up
2: being pregnant with like eight t- what's or, it called right. Octo- you could be end up becoming, be,
0: becoming also an you could get pregnant with one of these eggs and they wouldn't know
3: oh wow. no so it's really maybe dangerous
0: in, it, it's get, taking your eggs out and then putting another one in and it there are very few cases but it has happened before oh my gosh where a couple okay. doing ivf ends up already pregnant they get the implant and they have twins, but they're from two completely wow. separate dates, and it's it's complicated. Wow. The baby in the case in Barcelona that it happened, the babies survived, the mom survived, but it's not ideal. Wow! And at my clinic, just for the record, if you're asking, they do not do twins. They won't implant two embryos. They, they don't. They just don't want to take the, the risk. They just don't take the risk for twins, um, which my husband was very happy about he didn't you know he wanted to have one more baby but a little part of
2: him wanted to know if it was the same price (laughs) he (laughs) loves a a discount he
1: loves a discount
2: and i kept being like oh are you sure and he'd be like see that divorce clause
0: i'm about to walk right (laughs) out of here um and then this is the right ovary which had less but it still had
1: that that looks more like a
0: it still looks a bit gnarly like a
1: piece of coral yeah or or like guacamole right
0: (laughs) And so what do you think guacamole looks That's like? That's what it looks like when it starts to change <laughs> so, colors. And then I just want to show you, this is a, an image of one of the many shots. And um, it looks like somebody took an EpiPen and made it into three EpiPens. Like just to give you the idea, if you've ever seen an EpiPen, like of the complexity of 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 the shots that you get and you take and many you take at home Um some in my case, I had to physically go at a time of day, and they would administer it. Because as you can see, this looks like someone dis- like dis say uh, took apart a gun and <laughs> told you <laughs> to put it back together. <laughs> there were a few that they you they give you, and they're taken apart. And when you get home, and they'll say at nine o'clock tomorrow morning on the dot, put this together and give it to yourself. And I honestly would be like how is it possible that we've made it this far? And all
2: of this depends on me. <laughs> like, honestly.
0: And they're like, because well, you can't be late. So if you were to get stuck in traffic. Didn't it happen
2: one time? You were like a half hour late for something. I was a
0: half hour late for my medicine, um, which I kept in a cooler with me normally. And I was on the phone with shy actually. I was on the street and I had to get to get the medicine. And I was about, um, it, was, it was out of the fridge for a half an hour. And I was freaking out. And I called and they said, they were like, it's fine. They tell you half an hour because it's probably like an hour and a half. Mm -hmm. Just so people don't fuck it up. Um, In
1: Spain, they better.
0: Right. Never you know, seen anyone
1: on time for anything. This
0: is uh, me. Ar- I've armored the needle. Oh, you had to. Oh, wow. That, that was one of the ones I had to do you by myself. You just put it together. Why can't they just give it to you already like that? I, I, it, they, think don't, because once it's, they don't want it to go off. They don't want it to go off. And once it's put together, I think it. it you had to do these every day? No. Th- those big bad boys were only a few times mm-hmm. over the course. The everyday ones are much uh, smaller. To give them in your like leg, and your in your butt, your stomach.
1: Oh, you uh, gotta be committed, but you gotta pinch, right? You gotta get. You pinch. The, yeah. uh,
0: luckily, I have lots of chubby fat around, my tummy, so <laughs> it's not a problem. Someone you know who's just you know more thin, I would say I feel bad for, but even then, with all that chub, this was just many Ooh, of the bruises, bruises I'm showing Becky and Shy. Just my whole stomach looked like that, um, just fully bruised because you no, know, with all the chub I have, it's still um, it's it's a lot. It's a lot every day. Um, uh, some of them also would have to give me because it, just the angle at which you have to give it. It's a but you clearly had angle. time to
1: like take selfies with these shots.
0: There's so many of them that eventually I figured out, yeah, if he's giving the shot, then I could take a picture. And you know, at the time I didn't know why, but I'm, I'm glad that I did because now, not that I would publicize the shot ones necessarily, but I think it's really easy to, once you get through the other side to forget what you put yourself through, what that trauma was like of just giving your body over because you have what you, you know, your goal and you've moved on, but physically it's extremely demanding. Um, And that's something to think about. Worth it? Yes, but extremely demanding. And um, there's also the blood tests. So in order for them to know if you're good on the ovulation if you're pushing out all those eggs you don't go for ultrasounds every day but you almost you have to go for blood a lot and then they get the blood results and they can see your levels and stuff like that so you're doing these blood tests almost nearly every day they are calling me and all of a sudden they'll be like okay they'll call you and be like you have to come in an hour or you have to come tomorrow morning and it doesn't matter what you're doing like you have to figure out a way to get there I had another kid I had a job and I, you know, feel very lucky that because I work from home, I was able to like manage my schedule, but that was something I was extremely conscious of and thinking about how many women do this and, um, nobody knows that they're doing it. I'm sure they don't tell anybody at work and you don't necessarily want to tell everybody because you don't know if it's going to work out. Um, that, uh, so that's my arm. I looked like I had a drug problem. I am not kidding. Arms just bru- black and bruised up and down. That was pretty um, difficult to explain to people. And I will say that um, after all these ultrasounds to, to see if the eggs were ready, because I'd go every few days, they have to do an ultrasound, they check that picture, they'd look and see that, nope, not ready yet, come back tomorrow. Every time they have to stick the wand up, your hoo-ha. And so I'm uh, at the clinic, I'm leaving the clinic, and the staff is so wonderful. These people are amazing. The, the nurses are incredible. There's one secretary that I would say did not really get my sense of humor. And <laughs> <laughs> on one of my many appointments, as I'm leaving, it's always she has such like a straight face and as I'm leaving she's like so you know how is the appointment and I'm like do you really want to know and, and and so she's asking me and I'm just like well I haven't seen this much penetration since my twenties <laughs> <laughs> like, In Spanish
1: how does that go in Spanish?
0: No I'm not saying say that it in Spanish. Spanish. You have to say it
1: in Spanish. It's even funnier if you say it in Spanish. Why? Because I don't know because we don't get the full effect of why it wasn't funny. Also it's possible you said something different. So well, yeah, then I also
0: was like Or do. condoms. Because they put a condom on it <laughs> I was like four condoms am i right and she literally was just like ha ha see you tomorrow <laughs> i was like gotcha this is not a place for me to work my material this is not an open mic this is not an I open mic of. um but it would be something like no he estado tan penetrado this mis 20 años or i like <laughs> <laughs> visto tantos condones <laughs> and she was like what fuck get out of here um (laughs) so funny I've never heard and and so the the best is also Jose at this point has to so I I showed you all the needles I showed you the the bruises Jose had to take antibiotics one day like a few days maybe of antibiotics Because when he, I think it's before he gives his sample, they, I don't, I, I, now I forget actually, it must be before he gives his sample, he, just to make sure that there's no, any sort of infection in his body or whatever, they make him do a pack of antibiotics. And he's sitting in the appointment where they're telling him that. And he's like, well, I, and I, I literally, (laughs) (laughs) I turned to, and and I go, try it, try it. And again, I think murder is a bigger issue than divorce <laughs> because I was like, sorry, what do you don't want to take? What was that oral? Just like a pill of antibiotics. Like a Z-pack? Like <laughs> Exactly. Like a pack?" And he's like, no, I mean, I'm just saying how necessary is it? And but I was like. Was he like,
1: doing it to get the discount? Or was he just I saying how much is this was cost? He was like,
0: he's like, is, is this really necessary? Um, <laughs> and during all of this, I, you know, would have really weird um, dreams. Um so it, d- during... It's so classic. Jose. And uh, he took the fucking antibiotics, obviously. And during all of this, I had this really wild dream that I wrote down that I figure you guys will appreciate. Um, that I had to get to my 9 a.m. blood test. And you have to take the blood, I think, between 9 and like 9.15. There's a very specific window they want you to get that blood in so they can see your levels and all that. And I had a dream that I got in a cab to go to this blood test. And the guy accidentally drove me to Monkland in Montreal. <laughs> the, street. the street. The street. And I was not going to be able to get back to my, to get to the appointment in time, so I called Becky. And Becky came, and then she said, let's just get in a different taxi, and they took us to the McGill Ghetto, <laughs> like by McGill, like they our university. Just, yeah. I mean, if you want to get pregnant, that's not a bad <laughs> place to be. <me. laughs> and then... Um, and then we could, and then I couldn't get to this appointment and I felt like it was just this like horrible dream. And I wrote that down. I thought you guys would enjoy that. Um, and so in the end I got a lot of eggs, which was a, a miracle. It was wonderful. 22 eggs were taken out in a surgery. Um, What's the surgery? Like, what um, is it laparoscopic? it's laparoscopic. laparoscopic. Yeah. So it's not like a giant knee no, and it's like um, that. Well, yeah, I think there is a giant needle. They, I think you're you're under like heavy sedation. Oh, okay. you're, sedated. you're sedated, and it's in an OR, and it they gave you they give you the good stuff, the really good stuff, the, really yeah. good stuff um, the good drugs, and they give that but to you. Exactly. So um, they give me the. Uh, they give me the stuff uh, and I, you know, go to sleep. But the procedure is they do uh, have to get those eggs out. And uh, it's, it's a bit, it's, it is a bit painful. It's a bit of a rough procedure. You got, I think you got to take the day off work for sure. I would say that it takes a few days to kind of bounce back, probably about a week. There are risks. You can lose your ovaries. If you do this, the ovary really? could flip. You could have um, an ovary that's over, that grows too much. You can, you can, you can have problems. It's not without its risks. Well, I yeah. think when you get to that point and you're in it, you're like, there's two of them. Like, fuck it. Like I'm going, oh, you I know what it. I mean? Mm-hmm. In your mind, you're like, I, 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 you, you, you know, you go, you make that choice, but it's not without its risks is what I'm saying. So if
1: you're taking eggs out and freezing eggs, you have to do this part.
0: Yes. Okay. If you're donating eggs, you have to do this part. Okay. If you're freezing
2: eggs, you have to do this part. Right. So With, all those needles were just to get the eggs. Yep. Wow. Okay. Ooh. It's tough.
1: It's yeah. tough. And you're really brave. And people who do this, it's really so tough.
0: So you get the eggs out. And at that moment, this is a harder thing, I think, to talk about. At that moment, they give you several choices and if I knew the scope of it I think I would have done things maybe differently but in the states they do things a very specific way I believe I think all eggs are taken out and frozen I don't think they do so many what they call fresh transfers where I live where they give you the opportunity to fertilize it and put it right in because you're ready it's as if you've ovulated so you're ready to have a baby in that moment your uterus and so, if they just fertilize it and five days later it's an embryo and they shove it right back and you go back for the other procedure. But do they tell they you, you this pregnant. like
1: right as they're doing this? No,
0: you decide before.
1: Oh, okay. So, it's not like you're like hopped up on drugs and like, all oh, right, we forgot to tell you. We right. now you have a know. choice. Do you want to get pregnant? <laughs> like it's now? a game show. Exactly.
2: <laughs> like, but it's a big choice. Door, but it was a big choice because I remember, I it was remember really talking to you about the that. That was a big choice. Is that they
0: take them all out they fertilize them, and they freeze them all. And before they freeze them, they take a biopsy from each of them. And they send that to a lab, that gets analyzed, and you probably have to wait two or three months to get pregnant. You get the results back, then you only keep the ones that, you know, are genetically viable, and then you start from there, and you start the whole thing over again. Not, well, a version of it, just to try and get pregnant. Not You don't have to take the eggs out again in that case. And I think that because we already had a baby who, thank God, is uh, healthy, and because I wouldn't have chosen IVF if I had the choice, I would have done this in nature. And in nature, you don't get to decide when you do it, just eggs and sperm and, you know, not getting to choose it uh, the moment, then you wouldn't do all this testing. And I think we wanted in our hearts to keep it as close to, you know, what would have happened normally, not normally, I guess, but typically. And so what you would have happen. And so we said, no, let's just go with the fresh transfer and freeze the right re- pick pick the best one and then freeze the rest. So they did. And five days later, they fertilized it uh, right away. And they kept it, uh, they watch it grow for five days. And uh, of the 22, uh, only six made it to day five. So think about those numbers when women only get two eggs there's a lot of women that get one egg, two eggs. I had 22 and only six made it to day five. In the States, they transfer, I think at day three, but in my clinic, they wait that extra two days to see what happens in those two days. And so of the six, they transferred the best one that they saw, which is just the doctor. Now they're trying to use AI technology to just, to figure out which is the best one. Um, but they pick the best one. They grade them different grades and Five days later, they transferred it, um, which was like a a small little procedure, but you're in an OR, but you're awake. You're watching it happen on the screen where they put the catheter up, your hoo-ha, right into your uterus, and then they drop a little speck, and that's that's it, and they have an arrow on your – they print it for you on an ultrasound, in in my case, and then an arrow pointed to that's it, and then you wait to see if you get pregnant. You might not get pregnant. It still has to implant, so – you just basically wait. So um, at that point, I, my veins are like near collapsing. My veins don't, my, basically my veins don't work anymore in my arms. I have to use my hands from this whole experience, I think. And so they um, give you uh, a blood test. Two weeks later, and then they wait 48 hours. They repeat it again, and they're looking to see if your levels are showing you're pregnant, something you wouldn't be able to do. You should not do a test from the pharmacy. Don't mess around because you could get false positive, false negative, all these things, and you don't want to get upset or whatever. So you wait for that. A lot of the times in the States, it's a phone call. We physically went to the clinic, and they said, you're pregnant. And it was probably one of the best, you know, moments of my life because you just don't, it's basically said you, you landed on the moon. You haven't gotten out of the spaceship yet, but you landed on the moon and it's, you know, now you're in the spaceship for nine months, 10 months before you can get out and step out onto the moon. And, um, you know, then you just sort of hold your breath and you wait. In my, uh, I have a, a section when I think about this of things you shouldn't ask people, and I'm sure there's so many women who have been through this situation. and have a very long list. One of them was my dear brother-in-law uh, visited shortly after and and said, "But was it worth it? Is all of this worth it?" And you're just like, "Don't fucking ask that question." Like, yes, no, it's not worth it. I don't like, don't ask anybody that. Then the other thing I have written down from that moment is. Um, other things not to ask, but are you worked up about the cat's reviews? Because (laughs) cats must have come out somewhere during when I was doing IVF and I was clearly going through something. And this is from a phone call that I had with Shia where I was like, I'm really upset about something or something's going on. And it just says, okay, but aren't you worked up about the cat's reviews, (laughs) comma, aren't you? (laughs) And I said, but this is the most trying, important, psychologically difficult week of my life. And your answer was, I get it. But what about cats? (laughs) So I think for.
1: Yeah, because that movie is unfairly tarnished.
0: (laughs) Um, And then I have other. Good distraction. That Becky uh, sent me motivational videos before my transfer. So Becky's the good guy. Well, I'm just saying what happened. I was fighting for Um, justice. Do we still have those?
2: I'm sure I do still have those. Patreon.
0: Patreon. <laughs> um and then
1: um Wait, so wait, were my was my comment bad? Like are you mad at me for it? No,
0: them? I just think perhaps that is Did act now while you at the time I was you confused, were making now her... it warms my heart. Okay. Well
2: one at the time I was confused. Now it warms that
1: my heart. That wasn't a was it worth it comment. No, that it
0: was wasn't. Just, I was just I, I think mean, sure while you were, were
2: making her laugh and distracting her, we have to ask ourselves, and this we have to ask ourselves, were we making space for Lily? Were we creating space for her to Talk through these things I and feel to, them and I'm share. I'm pretty
1: sure I talked to Lily every single day.
0: I'm just saying
2: during that, period, it's also good they? to Isn't distract it? people and give them fun things
1: every
0: to write Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, you guys were amazing. Um, and so at this <laughs> that, point, Becky
1: doesn't know if if she was or I was. I don't so know. Wait, I, do I talk gosh, to you I, every day,
0: at every the, single day. So wait. So something also to take into consideration is that you can't. You have to hand over your body, but also your life. You can't travel during this time. You can't make plans, you can't make decisions, and there are women who can't make decisions for 10 years as they're trying to do this, not one year or two years, it's years of their life, and so it's something you give up, but it's also the sort of control you give up. We decided that once we got that transfer done, which was 2019, this is uh, July 2019, we decided that we're gonna um, take a small trip, and you know, yeah, we're going to take a small trip, just our family, to uh, somewhere uh, the south of Spain, meet up with Jose's mom, my, my mother-in-law, spend some family time, and then come back. We were going to be gone for two weeks or something like that. And you have to, at this point, still stick. I had still had to stick myself with needles, but I also had to do these um, uh, like suppositories that you put up your hmm and you can't move for half an hour after you do that. So I kept finding myself in a situation where I'd have to go into random bathrooms. I've done it at restaurants, like with people not noticing at the table. I've done these things in so many odd places. And then you can't have to sit and can't move. So someone would be like, oh, pass me that. And you're just like, nope. <laughs> you don't want anyone to be like, I have a estrogen's about in my vagina. I can't get up right now. <laughs> I was once with my friend's husband and his kid. And I was with my kid. And I had to, I had to do this. And we took them to a park together. But I'm not that close with him. And I had to sit on a bench and do that. Like, I did it. And I, like, found a way to do it. And I sat down. And then he was like, oh, come over here. And I was like, nope. I need to sit for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, that's like random things you have to think Not about. Not lazy, just using just suppositories. Using vaginal suppositories. And so we are in, now we take our little trip. And I was told that they, they are really on top of you with the doctor's appointment. In order for me to travel at all, they said that I would have to try and get a doctor's appointment abroad. Abroad, I mean in Spain. Um, on my trip. And... I said, are you sure? They said, yeah, it's just, it's just a, an ultrasound. You know, you're pregnant. It's going really well. We just want to keep up the the appointments. We don't want you to miss an appointment. So if you can just find your, I was going to a big city. If you can find uh, a doctor that can do an ultrasound, we can just get the report from him and put it in our files. And that way we're really, really on top of it. And I was like, okay, that sounds, that's what, I go to doctors everywhere. I live internationally. I've been to doctors here. I've been to doctors there. That seemed reasonable to me. So, um, I'm probably at this point, maybe six weeks pregnant or something like that. And which in IVF time, I feel like it feels like you've been pregnant for seven months because you know, so early and you're so like obsessed with it all the time. And I now saying six weeks, it seems very little bit of time, but then it felt like a, like, oh, the stakes
2: are very high. The stakes are
0: high. And, and, you know, and you're just trying to get to 12 weeks, right? In your mind at first and then 20 weeks. And then, you know, it's like a process. And so... We go to this small town, and um, outside of the big city, and I find a wonderful, this lovely gynecologist who got great reviews. And they, I explain my situation. Great reviews on. I, they had like a TripAdvisor. Like I know you doctor, love TripAdvisor. I love TripAdvisor trip situation, but this was like a doctor TripAdvisor. Um, I guess they had, yeah. And so I read he's been in practice for like thirty years or something like that. I spoke to the secretary, she said, uh, I explained my situation, and they squeezed me in just to do an ultrasound, they said, okay, fine, come at the end of the day, and this was close to like seven thirty, eight at night, and I was with my husband and child, so we went to this appointment, and they were like, yeah, sure, we'll just do an ultrasound, we'll send her report to your doctor, no problem, so I was like, great, and then, you know, we have another uh, two weeks left of our trip, it was a three-week trip, and... Um, we go to the appointment and, uh, I was excited because my, I wasn't going to tell my son I was pregnant, but I thought that, you know, at least, um, he was going to be there with us, even though he wouldn't really know what was happening. And we go to this appointment and this random doctor I've never met does the ultrasound and just goes, Oh, okay. Yeah. That baby's not going to make it (laughs) like that to me, uh, just like that. And I was like, sorry, what? And he was like, yeah, I, I just, yeah, I don't think, I don't think this is going to work out. And I was like, this isn't a date between <laughs> you and I where you're breaking up with me casually. I was like, I'm sorry, what did he say? And I had an, that was an out-of-body experience. That was a full out-of-body experience. My body left, my, my, my person left my body. I don't know where it went. It, I think it called Becky. It did. But we talked. I, I didn't understand because I could hear the pulse. I could see it. It was there. It was alive. And this doctor was like, yeah, but I've, I've been in the game a long time. And I know. I know when they're. When I can just tell this isn't, this isn't going to go well, and you should know now. And I removed myself from the office. I called Becky. I, the hyst- my hysteria was, like, pretty deep. Um, it was now late, so I didn't, couldn't call my doctor or anything. I found a way to, I had a, I know I ate a grilled cheese that hmm. night and I found a way to go to bed. And in the morning I called my doctor and she said, okay, let's calm down. Because a lot of times other, if you're not a fertility specialist, if you're not an IVF doctor, the, uh, sometimes our embryos are slow on the pickup. It's not the same as a normal pregnancy. So typical. or typical pregnancy. And so Um, or a non-assisted fertility-assisted pregnancy. So just take a deep breath. Cut your trip a week short. Stay another week because nothing's going to happen in a week. You had plans with your mother-in-law. Come home in a week and we'll look. And, you know, calm down because it, it could be fine. It could be totally fine. And in the end, it was not fine. And when I got home, it was still there, and I went to several more appointments. But by week 10... Um, it was not going to work out. And so that was really hard. That was hard because I felt like I was lied to, (laughs) which makes no sense because there's no guarantees. But I was like, you people had one job. You told me it was going to be fine. I did the job. I got pregnant. What else did I have to do? And I felt like betrayed somehow, but that doesn't really make sense. They, you know, there are no guarantees and they were really wonderful. Um, And so... Yeah. That, um, I then, you know, having uh, a pregnancy loss in another language is maybe difficult, like not in your own language, but, uh, there's nothing to say anyways. I was just sobbing. And in those moments, oh, you always see it in movies where they bring someone a glass of water. So in that, I'm like hyperventilating mm-hmm. in my doctor's office. Uh, I know that I'm going to end, I'm going to, you know, I have to have a, a DNC to, to take it out. And, um, and I, which is a, which is a procedure, like an abortion similar where they go in and they take out the embryo, um, through like a small procedure. So, yeah. And so I go, um, I, I'm like, I, I'm hysterical crying. And the nurse's assistant offers me a little cup of water. And in that moment I was like, why would she, what the, what about the situation says that I'm thirsty? <laughs> but also I was like, I really need this cup of water. <laughs> I'll never forget that I was like yes they do that because you're so hysterical you're like what do I do with my hands what do I do with myself but then I'll... trying to drink
2: it it no, just ends up just
0: spitting it all over yourself it's dribbling on your chest but you're like I can drink this water that's what I could do so I'm like that's why they give it to you it makes you feel like you're useful um but yeah so then the next step after that, um, was to try again. And that was difficult because I, there was some, they, they, they did the DNC, they took it out, they send it to their lab in Italy for, um, for an analysis to know if it was the embryo, if it was me, what the problem is, because they want as much information as they can get. Um, I feel fortunate that I didn't have to do that at home. I know a lot of women, who have pregnancy loss and they have to deal with that at their own house and it's very difficult Um, things you don't realize is that you have contractions when you lose a pregnancy like that even if it's at 10 weeks and your body has to go through that process and that is extremely difficult you don't get days off work from here because of that Um, you know not typically you don't get any time off Um, just for that you have to use sick days or whatever I was very lucky that I was able to lay down for pretty much five, six, seven days afterwards even though I had a, a kid at home I got was able to get help from my husband and so um yeah I would say that um that that is something that you cannot be prepared for and um yeah I don't know if you have any questions about that one part but
1: okay so I have a question Also, thank you, Lily, for sharing all of this. This is not easy to share. And it was... I know what it was like to be your sibling a million miles away and being there for you. But I imagine there is a whole other dimension of being in the place of your couple going through all of this and losing the pregnancy I was wondering if you could speak a little bit about what it was like for you and for Jose and how Jose was there for you, but also how you as a couple managed it together. Because I think that's an important thing because people, I think, often don't talk about how you process that as a group, as a unit. And what kind of strains and what kind of things I mean, happen to people when that happens? It's not easy.
0: It was hard, and I think that it was specifically hard in our case because he was okay with having just one kid, and I think that that puts a bit of a different spin on it. I think on one hand it made him—I sh- don't want to say stronger because I think I like that was—that's warrior strength to go through this whole process, but it made him pull his strength from a different place because he was sad for me and sad I think it was hard for him to see how sad I was and how hard it was for me you know did he experience the loss of the of the baby the embryo the, the chance sure but I think he was more philosophical about it than I could be because he was like well this Embryo had something genetically wrong with it that didn't make it viable. It died in the womb and it wasn't meant to be. And that's sort of like how he was able to be philosophical about it. And he was like, but now I have to deal with how emotionally wrecked you are and that whole problem. And it bothered me that he could be okay (laughs) to just be like, well, if we only have one kid, we have one kid. Because I, you know, not that not that he was pushing that on me because he was he was ready to go and do what we had to do. But there wasn't I'll never forget. There was a moment where he was like, but what, you know, what if this is just enough? Because it was the whole thing was extremely difficult. And so he was like, you know, and and that made it harder for me because I was so far in deep that I was like, there's no way I can turn back now. And I was facing a really hard decision because I was facing, do I go with the other embryos that are frozen who could have the same problem, which, cause I never biopsied them, or do I start the entire thing again and do it again with biopsied embryos, start the whole egg that whole thing again. And that was the impasse I was at. And he was like, should we just call it? <laughs> And that is two very different places. And he got on board to where I was pretty quick of like, okay, we're going again and we're going to, we're not going to, you know, give in just yet or let go just yet. But I think our grieving process, our emotional attachment to the, to the situation was different and that made it hard. We went to therapy, which was recommended by my clinic. They recommended a therapist. So we went to a session, to, to only a session. I think it's so valuable and I think that it's amazing. The This therapist is a whole hilarious thing that I can't wait to tell you guys <laughs> about. Because we went to kind of talk about where we were at post-pregnancy loss and how to move forward together. Because again, I felt very alone, very isolated in this whole thing. Um, and very driven to not let go yet. And I think he was just, I don't want to see you like this. I don't want this to keep going on. And um, and so we go to this therapist recommended by the clinic. Uh, she specializes in anxiety and depression. Um, she does cognitive behavioral therapy, which I love, uh, uh, for women with fertility and stuff like that. And, you know, we go to this appointment and she's like, um, hi, it's nice to meet you, blah, blah, blah. I, can you know, talk about me. He talks about him himself and we, we both talk and, um, she asks me a lot of questions. We have this amazing, you know, moment thanks to her where she says, okay, uh, if you have, you're going to have one more kid and you're going to do what you, whatever you need to get there. And then you're not going to have more kids. Like the agreement here today is that Jose agrees to come, you know, be full in on this journey. And your agreement is that when you guys get that goal, that's going to be enough because he can't keep he doesn't want to keep going past that of how, because of how difficult this whole thing is. And we agreed there that day, and then she gave me a whole bunch of homework. Like, you have to do these breathing exercises, you have to do this, and you have to do that, and you have to do all these things. And I want you to see. I want to see you next week, even if I have we have to do it twice a week. You know, get you mentally prepared to co- you know to go back for another round of IVF. And I was like, okay, great, wow, amazing. Um, and what's what does he have to do? And she was like, oh, nothing. He's great. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I was like, sorry, what? And she's like, yeah, like yeah, he's so cute. Like, do you see him? And I was like, <laughs> I'm sorry, what? And she's like, yeah, call. like they had a thing that I literally was like I I I was like I'm sorry am am I here she was like oh no 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 he's he's just wonderful he's great he he just had to do what he had to do and um keep working out like she was (laughs) like it was so biased and one-sided um and and I just want to say one thing is that part of doing this in another language is that um she she when I when I sat down at that first appointment and I told her about my situation again, I'm speaking a, a language, my sec- a second language and she her reaction to the pregnancy loss was, OK, well, you know, that happens anyways. Let's move on. um And and I was like, oh, are, is she a therapist? Like, what is what is her job here? Am, is that what we're supposed to do? Just like get over it and move on. That's a really inter- interesting tactic. I, I don't know if I'm into that. I think I'm here to talk about it. And um, the whole entire session, she thought I just meant that I didn't get pregnant. Like, she, oh, she just she just didn't understand me. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! That's At the end horrible. of the session, she's she's like, I just it's hard for me to understand why you're so upset. And I was like, Well, I'm upset, and I'm like, because I lost a baby. And she's like, Well, no, you can't lose something you never had. And I was like what and I was like I don't know what you mean because it was inside me growing and she was like I'm sorry wait are you here for this appointment because you're saying you lost a baby or because you couldn't get pregnant and I was like I had a pregnancy loss. And she was like, oh, shit, I'm so sorry. She was like, oh, I'm so, so, so sorry. Come here, give me a hug. I, I really misunderstood you. <laughs> and I immediately opened my phone, jot that down. I'm like, <laughs> having a baby in another language, it's hard enough.
2: And I was like,
0: <laughs> fucking Spanish, no one can understand me. And I did. Becky was like, maybe you should think about going back to therapy the other day. And I was like, yeah, I'm going in English. I'm not doing <laughs> this again in Spanish.
1: Of course that is what would happen to you with a therapist in Spain. OK, I think we're going to take a break here. Let this be the end of part one of your incredible story. Lily, thank you for sharing you for this you. with thank us. You. We will get to part two at some point. Lil. Um, we're not going to do the usual ending where we do recommendations, but is there anything you would like to shout out to or tell people to look at? I
0: I think that I didn't have these resources when I was going through this because I own, I stayed off. I was not into looking stuff up on Instagram. It was hard for me to be on social media during this time. Um, and so, yeah and not it wasn't like oh because other women were pregnant and everybody was pregnant at this time becky was very pregnant i just want to say that because you'd think that you know that things were hard but it it always made me so happy that becky didn't have to deal with this so that wasn't an issue but it's one thing to have your sister pregnant it's another to see like every stranger on the internet pregnant so i wasn't so into social media however since then i've discovered two resources that i think are pretty cool which is Peanut on, um, and that's for women who are uh, have or people that have babies um, and want to connect uh, mothers connecting to other mothers. It's a it's a very cool network, uh, not just for infertility though. They do have some infertility support, and then um, this uh, very interesting and amazing supportive um, group. And they have a, an Instagram fa- uh, page, which is uh, In a Circle Fertility, started by Abby Feeder, who has a, a, also a podcast and talks about her uh, very long struggle with infertility. And that is a support network. And she's actually an infertility coach.
1: And an alum of our Jewish summer camp.
0: Yes. Well, her husband is. No, she oh, is too. Oh, Absolutely, both are. 100%. Oh, oh cool. Um, so, yeah. So I would want to uh, shout out to, to that uh, support group as well. Cool. All
1: right. Uh, where can people follow you?
0: Chi Chi-chi, C-H-I-C-H-I-K-Gomez on Twitter. And you can email me or DM me at Friday Night Movie Pod, Friday Night Movie Pod on Instagram.
1: No, it's just Friday Night Frida- Movie. Friday Night Movie? Friday Night Movie. F-R-I-N-I-G-H-T. Right, Friday Night
0: Movie. That's why I said Friday Night. Oh, no, not pod. For the record, I knew that. Friday Night Movie on Instagram. Friday Night Movie on Instagram or Twitter. Feel
2: free to DM me
1: you want to talk about this for real dm us on there and we'll connect you with lily
2: uh you can follow me on twitter at paper bk princess
1: and you can follow me on twitter or instagram at pancake four table that's pancake and the number four table and like i said before all the friday night movie shenanigans at fry night movie on twitter or instagram do dm us if you wanna have a more private conversation with Lily about uh, all the issues she discussed today, this is part one of our conversation. There is more to the story. We obviously left uh, at a particular uh, uh, spot in the story. And um, uh, gonna, not gonna go, at, gonna list all the things we usually list. Gonna just leave it there. Theme music's gonna kick in and gonna say a huge loving thank you to our dear sister, Lily for sharing with us today. We love you. Bye. Bye.